was a little bit worried today when I came up that there'd still be Collingwood stuff on this pulpit, so I'm glad it's gone. Impressive team. Impressive team. 16th win, I believe. Any Collingwood supporters out there that can prove me otherwise? Yep. 16. Another impressive number, 45 times they've been there. That's a 35% win rate. That's really good. I think Richmond's 37, though, so it's no mind. Um, <laughs> really special day. Really special day. Um, I'm so, so happy for couples that are continuing on in marriage. Um, we just celebrated Adam's third birthday party, which is amazing. Um, I've never seeing so many kids eat so many pieces of cupcakes so quickly, so that was wonderful. Um, AFL, probably a lot of you guys were out and about enjoying that day. Um, and we also have some really good news. Uh, Kirsten and I are expecting our third this March, so that's... We're hoping three for three boys. No, uh, ten fingers, ten toes. That's what we're hoping for. Let me pray, and then I'll get started. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank God so much to come together as a body, um, to learn more about you, to grow together. Um, Lord, I just pray for my words. May they be yours. Um, May they pierce through our hearts and our minds. Lord, um, allow us to come back to you. Allow us to walk steadily with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. In your precious and holy name, amen. So, do you guys have any words of endearment? Things that you say to your kids, to your loved ones, that kind of just, it's a little bit different. We have, Adam we call little man. So, Adam is little man. Adam in uh, Hebrew means man, so he's literally little man. Um, And since Liam is a little bit littler than Adam, we call him the littlest when he's going to be 6'2", that may not be uh, as true. But any other words of endearment that somebody want to put their kids on the spot or their loved ones or... What? Floss. Floss. <laughs> That's a good one. Any others? Yeah? <laughs> Goodbye, my what? Oh, that's always good. So, hey, that's, as long as their face turns bright red, you've done your job, I'd say. No, very good. Um, so I, I, it's very interesting that um, John calls his church my little children, my little children. And I love that, um, that he is kind of a, this term of endearment, endearment, that's bringing them together, that it's, it's, it's personal, it's loving, and it's caring. Um, today, I hope to get some things accomplished. Uh, first, to see who did their homework. Um, Ron, I think you have a yard duty after this. Just um, uh, And as always, I think Les is the teacher's pet. So if you were on Facebook early in the week, you saw that we were reading First uh, John together. And so thank you for those who read. I don't want a show of hands because we don't want some people to feel bad because the dog doesn't really eat the Bible that well. Um, so, um, and also I want to look in context of First John. Um, if you call it John 1, or I think Linda and I were missing earlier in the week, I was like, I'm going to read from First John. She's like, 
John 1, no, 1 John, John 1, 1. And so I, I will hopefully, again, like all things, say the American way. And then at the end, I hope to then apply it back to here in Kerrang. And how can we take the words of John um, with us this week? So hopefully you can see that. If you can't, just let me know and I can send it to you. Who wrote this epistle? Well, the early church assigns it to John. All right? John does not open the letter, hey, I'm John, and I'm writing to this church. A lot of it, we rely on the early uh, members of the church, Irene, Cement of Alexandria, and not going to try it. So our earlier members of the church have assigned this to John. Now, who did he write it to? Well, is his early churches that he talks about in Revelations. Now, if you don't know which John, we have John the Baptist, John the Baptist related to Jesus, John the Baptist that was a woolly beard, eating locusts, baptizing people like crazy, and Jesus, and John, one of his apostles, disciples. So we're talking about that John. And as you can see, he goes in the Aegean Sea, up north into Turkey, and then into more of, uh, yeah, Turkey. Um, we have, I have to look at my phonetically um, spelt ones, just to make sure I'm not messing it. Uh, Ephesus, Simena, um, and then Pergamos, Pyrmos. Yeah, so if you... If you say it really quickly and don't go back, you just no one's going to test you on that. So those are probably the churches, if not the other ones, that he went to all the way to uh, Philadelphia and Lysodicea. See what I did? I just right off the tongue and keep on going. So those are the early churches that these letters were probably written to. Um, a little bit more context. Um, it is difficult to assign a singular pers- purpose to this epistle. For the reasons we discussed in the next question, but are John's own words. So this is the reason why John is writing in the word, this letter. He says, these things we write to you. He repeats that. And whenever you see in the Bible uh, a term or phrase repeated, it's kind of saying, hey, pay attention. This is important. I want you to know this. So the first way, first thing he says is to make our joy complete. And we'll look at that phrase a little bit later. Another thing that he says is that he is trying to stop the people in the church that are deceiving. All right, so there's people in the church that are saying things that are actually going against God's word. And so John is very quickly in his letter trying to combat that. And then also he's giving a pathway to salvation. All right, how do we actually access what God has promised us? And so he says that, um, I write these things to you to believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life, this salvation in Christ. Um, I'll stop here. So we, we're looking in the New Testament. Now, some people who are like testaments, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament deals with a lot of the um, early, early um, creation of Israel as a nation. Um, it has David and Goliath. It has Jonah and the whale. There's a lot of those early stories. 
We have a 300-year gap in between, and then we go to the New Testament. New Testament is focused on who Jesus was, and then also um, some of the writings of Paul and John and other authors. So we're after Jesus' death. Context, not everyone just says, yep, I know who John is. So we've covered all of that. How it's written. Now, if I was to write a book of the Bible, I would write a linear logic. I would have, this is my point, and these are my reasons. We also teach that as essay writing. Support, support, support. Move on to your next topic. Support, support, support. That's logic thinking, all right? Linear thinking. Down in a row, really easy to follow. John is a fisherman. He writes in these loops. So it's not linear, it's cyclical, all right? So the the loop that we look at is this fellowship loop, loop, and God is light loop, all right? And you can kind of see they overlap it really well. I talked to my dad and I said, I really want to do 1 John. It's a short chapter of the Bible, so it should be really easy to talk about. And it's... um, you know, has some really good things in there. And dad's like, it's probably one of the hardest books because it's not written in a linear logic fashion. And I'm thinking, great, what did I get myself into when I told Linda on Monday that I was going to talk about First John? So it is interesting that we see these loops. Now, we're probably only really going to look at the first two today, but if I get to come back up here, I'll probably look at Second John, and we'll look at the born of God, and God is love and the faith in the true God. Now, I was really, really fortunate through this week to um, talk to my dad and do a Bible study, which if you ever have the opportunity to speak in front of a bunch of people, it's really nice to pop your ideas off and see what is in there and what experience has to say about things. A lot of these diagrams are his, and I'm stealing them like a good teacher. Borrow, beg, and steal. That is how I've made um, my career. Um, so again, we're looking at chapter one. So these, this is a scatter plot. And these are the main kind of ideas in this chapter. So light, love, beloved, truth, know, confidence, abide, born of God, I have written, and sin. All right? There's a theological statement. So John is giving an aspect of God to the church. And he's saying, and we will look very deeply at the idea that God is love or God is light. Later in chapter four and five, the other theological statements is God is love. And this God is the true God. That was all context. That's all background. You should have known all of that. That was in your homework for the week. So if you didn't get it, you missed it, you're caught up, let's go. All right. So I really appreciate Kiersey and Linda. Linda, those songs were amazing. I really, really appreciate them. Those, like, it was what I was feeling and going through this week. So excellent job on the songs that you chose. When you look at the first chapter, first verses, first four, first four verses of John, John gets right into it. He is telling us who Jesus is. Now, when I read it the first time, I was like, oh, the word of life, like this 
theoretical spirit that's floating on the waters. No, he is actually talking about Jesus, all right? So let me read this one second. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, and what we have seen with our eyes, that is what got me, is he is taking what I was thinking as the word of God and making it into an object, but the object is Christ, is God. We have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested. All right, and we see, have seen and have testified and proclaimed um, to you the eternal life. So again, it's we're looking at this. The early church, the big issue in the early church was Gnosticism. That you have to do this special ritual and these dark, different things to all of a sudden get a deeper and wider knowledge of Christ. And um, he was—he maybe not have been fully man or partially man. There was there's these ideas of who Christ was, and John gets right into it and he tells you who Christ is. He tells you that he was manif- life manifested. That he um, proclaimed the eternal life, which the which with the Father, and was manifested to us. So he's telling you all these things of who Christ was, and then at the end he tells us about this thing called fellowship. Now, in church, we want to have fellowship. It goes beyond friendship. All right, friendship is I like this team. I like this idea. Let's hang out and we'll do this together. What a fellowship is, it's deeper than that. It's based on a solid foundation on something. And communion is a really great representation of that fellowship. Why are all of us here today? What are... Oh, yeah, there's a T-Rex. Earlier, I I was thinking we were going to have a little bit more of a charismatic church. I mean, Adam was running up and down, you know, the pews, and I think Liam was speaking in tongues. So it's their church, too, as Bob Field would say often. So I appreciate you having my son in and allowing his uh, words to So going back to what I was saying, why are we all here? Not for the T-Rex, but for Christ. We are all here. We are all proclaiming that Christ is the center point in our lives. Right? That is what draws us together. When we, can you, yeah, take me down a little bit. I can hear that little twang. So we have fellowship. We took our communion together. What did that communion say? It said to remember. We are remembering what Christ did, and we all affirm that Christ being fully man and fully God was the Savior for our sins. That is what allows us, that is our foundation in which we stand for. And that's what the early church did not have. They did not have that foundation. They had some people saying, ah, nah, Christ, nah, nah, he was good, or I actually am following this disciple as my Christ, and I'm going to follow this disciple as my Christ. There was a lot of division and this Gnosticism, and John wanted to just kind of lay it out there and say, no, 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 we are following Christ. We are following him as our Lord and Savior. I liked at the end of the verse where it talks about making our joy complete. 
All right, when it talks about our joy complete, it's kind of an outreach statement. It's trying to pull us all in. And how do we complete that joy? How do we do that as one group of people? And that's to build up the body. And it is like an evangelistic statement that John is putting out there. Now, some people, just to kind of get into it, the word our might be different in your Bible. It is a personal plural pronoun, hamon. And so some Bibles say your joy complete. But I like, I I read out of the NIV, it says um, our. So it's this grouping of the church. Um, And again, that's going against this Gnosticism where we have to do all these sing and dance things to get to God. Well, John is saying, no, no, no. It's the belief. It's the focus on Christ. It's, it's, it's right there. You don't have to burn this incense. You don't have to say this chant. God is there for you. You don't have to do anything to get to him um, other than your belief and your confession. So um, going through that, I've also, um, yeah, and Gnosticism. So those are the big observations I took out of the first four verses of John. Not necessarily what I was wanting to spend a whole lot of time on, but I thought it was really prevalent in what we needed to talk about at the start. Now, I am going to spend, hopefully, more of our time in um, John 5 to verse 2, um, chapter 2. So in this little color code, if you're the ones that like to highlight in your Bible, you'll notice that light... And sin occur the most often in these couple of verses. The, the hard to see word is truth in blue. Sorry, blue and white would have been a little bit easier to read. Now, when he is talking, he is talking about this idea of darkness. Darkness. And he goes from this fellowship style conversation And then he puts boundaries on the light and the darkness. Now, I'm very, very tempted to shut off the lights, but I think I'm going to avoid that because I'll probably trip down and fall. But I did bring, don't let Adam know, I did bring this little light out. All right, And if you've ever gone camping before, you have needed your little light to shine a path. And there is a clear distinction between what the light is falling upon and what is not falling upon the light and the darkness. And there is a clear boundary between the two. You know what is light and you know what is darkness. And John is putting this idea in your head that God is light. God is light. And we need to live in that light. All right. So he goes and puts this as a boundary between what God says, yep, this is my light, and nope, that is not, that's not in my plan, that is not in my purpose, that is out and beyond me. All right. We also see, let's see, where is it? We have in this middle section, right in here, three denials. 
All right, and I'll just read that right now. So it's talking about ways that we as humans and ways that people in the churches that we've mentioned were saying their relationship with Christ was going. All right? There's no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we have if we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar, and his words is not in us. So he talks about three denials. You may have missed it. Three ways that we can say that we are supposedly in the light. The first one occurs in verse 6, that we say that we're in the light, but we're actually in the darkness. All right? So... I like to think of this perfectly white board and a kid, probably my son, took an ink pen and just splattered it on the board. And so we have this big black dot. And if you can't imagine it, you can see it. The first person is walking by and saying, well, that, that board is still white. That's, that's, that's I'm saying I am in the light but I'm actually in the darkness. It's this denial, this deception, or this delusion that the person thinks of something that's not there. Now, in church, it's so easy for us to say, okay, well, got a little sin there, and you better clean that up and watch that. It's so easy for us to keep this record of wrong. And sin was not necessarily the central concept but the freedom that Christ has provided. But I think it is important for us to, for ourselves, think, am I living that way? Or do I know somebody that's living that way? And to have this good understanding of, are they actually in the darkness? And I'll go a little bit more why that's so important today. The second denial, saying that I have no sin. That blot's not mine. That's not my sin. It's all white still. I have no sin in my life. Is the second denial, the second way that people try to get away from the sin in their life. And I could definitely say I've done the first two in my life, that I've lived away and that I've not really been in the light, but I've deceived myself. And, and you maybe can say the same. Now, the last one is very, very sad. The last denial of sin is the most tragic. That's artwork. That's beautiful. That's not sin. What are you talking about? The third denial is making a mockery of what Christ has done for us. The third denial makes God out to be a liar, and his word is not in him. And the third one, the person is so deceived that they are their own God. They are the author and creator of truth. 
right? And that, I know I have friends, and I know I have people in my life that see life as just this thing that we're going through. And sin is not necessarily sin. It's just what our life leads, all right? So the three denials is one thing that I had as an observation in my um, reading through John. It's this understanding of what sin is. Now, I could not come today and say, okay, today's sermon is sin. Is it in your life or your friends? It, it did not, wasn't a very good title on today's sermon, so I stick with First John. But after the, the three denials is this appropriation. Now, I had to look that up. If you know what appropriation in your mind is, you maybe had an argument with your neighbor. Appropriation, if you don't know, is the appeasement of a wrongdoing. Who is our appeaser? Who is the one who is our advocate? Who is the one that has taken this for us? Well, it's Christ. And he had to be fully man and fully God. Going back to that first bit in John. If he wasn't fully man, and he was fully God, well, God can't really die, so that, that doesn't really f- a fee, like feed this, this broken relationship between us and God. So he had to be fully man because of man can die, and he had to be fully God. He had to be the perfect representation to, break, to be broken for us. So that appropriation is a very important bit that is answered in verse 2, or verse 1 and 2, going on into the last bit of our, um, our verses. And then also the fellowship with the light. All right. So getting to the application stage is probably my favorite stage because I know the Preachers wrapping it up. Um, for me, <laughs> for me, it was really, really tough because I don't actually like being up here. It is very difficult for me to preach. I think not of what I'm going to say, but how unworthy I am. I think about how I am in the darkness, and I forget the very crucial part of verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is huge. That is massive. I am cleansed. That word cleanse is so pivotal because it allows me to be a vessel for Christ. It allows you to be a vessel of Christ. It restores our relationship with God. We can now be in fellowship with Christ. He is light. And if we do not confess our sins, we cannot join that light, nor can we join that fellowship. It is so vital, that cleansing, that forgiving of our sin. And so that leads us so that we may not sin. Uh, I just asked forgiveness. I just got cleansed. And now I know that Monday's coming up and I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> Are you there too? That's okay. 
think of your children. I, I thought of Adam so clearly. I love Adam so much. Even when he yells at me, runs away from me, hurts his brother, doesn't eat anything on his plate, does that change my love for him? No. When you do X, Y, Z, does that change God's love for you? No. This forgiveness of our sins is for us. It's for us because I know when I yell at him, that relationship is broken. Adam hides. We hide. How can we serve in the light if we're hiding in the darkness? So that confession of our sins allows us to mend this broken relationship, the omission of guilt, the confession. Now, it's not saying confess, 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 and just live in your guilt and just let it ruminate. And No, no, no. It's done and it is forgotten. You are made pure. When it says cleanse, and I get into this more in the second slide, your sins have been removed from you. Now, I think of this scalpel. I, we deal with that a lot in our biology classes and science. And if you let them, if you put them through the washing machine, they often get corroded and gross, and you'd never want it to nick you because you know you get tetanus right away. So often we have to change the blade. And we put a brand new blade on that. That, br- that blade is so good. It is ready for a job. It is ready for nearly surgery. And that is what God is doing for us. That when we are cleansed, we are made ready and right for our relationship and ready and right for his work today. We are cleansed. We are cleansed. And I think that's so big. I was talking to my dad, and he was talking, and he was saying it was so tough early on when I was a, a pastor, and I wanted to um, I wanted to do the work of God, but I always felt so guilty. I always felt so weighed down. And God spoke to me, my grace suits you. God has died for us so that we may be a new creation, that we may be cleansed from our sins, that we don't have to remember them. We know that we break that relationship, but we come back to it, pure and back in the light. And that is where we need to be, and that's where God wants us to be. And when I was thinking about this too, the assurance of faith, if you think of a big spotlight down in the middle of the room, are you running towards that light? Are you running away from it? For me, assurance of faith I want to be in that light. I know that I do things that mess it up and I go away from the light. My eyes, ears, mind, just watch late night TV for two minutes and you feel like you're in the darkness. But I want to be in that light. I want to be in that relationship with my Christ. And that is your salvation. That is your assurance of salvation. That is this process of sanctification. When we are in the light, we want to stay longer and longer in that light. We want to live in that relationship with Christ. And so that's what I leave you with. If you feel unworthy like me, confess your sins, be in good relationship with Christ, and join the body. We have jobs for you. 
Be that surgical instrument that God has made you to be. Now, we're not all this and we're not all that. We are different parts of the body, but sometimes we feel so unworthy for those parts that we don't do them. But Christ has forgiven you of those sins to join that fellowship and to live out his good work. So that's what I was having today. That's where John 1 kind of hit me. I really appreciate you guys slaving through daylight savings, getting out of bed even though your team lost. I know it's really, really difficult, Velocots, but we, we, we know that you're here. You made it. Yeah, robbed. Absolutely robbed. So please, um, as I pray, can I have the worship team come up? Heavenly Father, we thank God for your son. We thank God that we can be in relationship with you and fellowship with one another. Um, Lord, we pray that we are in the light. We pray that when we are lost, we are, are broken, that we look towards you, Lord. We look to restoring that relationship through um, asking forgiveness, Lord. Lord, set us apart today to do your will. In your precious and holy name, amen. Thank you.